Well, Jane Hammond showed up this time. <laughs> We've tried to get here the summits and something happens and then this happens. But uh, she's been here many times before, always tells us, and that's the goal, you know, on these uh, hubs. We want to hear the present word of the Lord and then we're going to pray it. And, uh, uh, but she is from Florida, Christian International, great strategic prophetic voice into our world, the entire uh, ministry there. And she has blessed us so many times. And we've been praying that she could get back up here and, and tell us what the Lord is saying to her and uh, minister to us. Uh, we love her. We appreciate her, her husband Tom. And uh, we just bless them. And am, we are so thankful that she could be here tonight. Would you welcome Prophet Jane Hammond as she comes to share with us tonight? Amen. Wow. Well, the Lord may have already given us our assignment tonight, right? Um, I think it's very interesting that this happened on Rosh Hashanah, which is today, sunset today. How strategic is that? Okay. We're going to talk about that in just a moment. Um, uh, first of all, I owe everybody apology for not being here the last two times. I... I love coming here. I absolutely love coming here. Um, two years ago when I had to cancel, I had no voice. I had come back from, from uh, Korea, and uh, I caught something when I was over there. I actually caught their poisonous smog, and uh, it stripped my vocal cords, and I had no voice. But, um, but Carol suggested that I come and give my prophetic message in interpretive dance. So tonight we might just do that, okay? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I actually have a new book since uh, I've seen you last. It's called Discernment. Um, Discernment is the essential guide to hearing the voice of God. I think there's some place here somewhere. So just wanted to let you know that. Um, and I want to kind of start out tonight, and I think that this is a really interesting time and season, obviously, that we're in. But I had a dream last November. I'm going to kind of tell you a few dreams, a few visions that I've had. Um, but I had a dream last November that um, kind of began to help me to understand what the Lord was doing in 2020. In my dream, I was carrying around a baby. It was not a baby I had given birth to, thank God, okay? Um, it was, but it was a baby that I was given the care of. And as I was walking around with this baby, I was trying to determine who its parents were. Um, I, I didn't meet anybody that claimed to be the mother, but I met two different gentlemen that claimed to be the father of the baby. Uh, one was a younger man. Uh, one was an older gentleman. And uh, both of them said they loved the baby. Both of them wanted to care for the baby. And I was kind of in a dilemma because I was given charge of this baby and trying to figure out which, you know, which, which guy was the dad without a DNA test, I guess, during, that, during the dream. Well, in the dream, I met Dutch. And I presented the dilemma to Dutch, and he looked at me, and he said, well, Jane, this is easy. He said, you have to decide, does this baby belong to the last 20 years, or does it belong to the next 20 years? And I think that what the Lord was preparing us for was that we were coming into a year of reset, and that God was saying, you know, do you want the church to look like what it's looked like in the last 20 years? Or do you want it to look like what it's supposed to look like in the next 20 years? Amen? Come on. Do you want to still be fighting the same battles we've been fighting for the last 20 years? Or do you want to start advancing into God's plans and purpose in the next 20 years? And so I absolutely believe that God has got us all in a reset season. Amen? Now, Rosh Hashanah last year, I am, I am not Chuck Pierce, Okay. I'm not going to sit up here and tell you all the ins and outs of what everything means, okay? I will tell you, I love Chuck. Chuck's actually got his big conference going. And uh, whenever Chuck will come and do the head of the year stuff, I take feverish notes. Okay, before he started using overheads, I would, I would write notes just from what he would say. And I would tell him at the end, I'd say, Chuck, 
I have 52 pages of notes. I have no idea what you just said. It was awesome, but I have no idea what you just said. And I have 32 number one points with no number two, okay? So you're going to have to help me here. So I've done a lot better ever since he started using these, uh, these overheads. Um, but but uh, I'll, I'll, I'll just give you a little, a little blurb about this year. It's 5781 on the Hebraic calendar. Um, and I'll tell you about the 80 in just a minute. The one is the word Aleph. So this is the year Pei Aleph. Pei Aleph. Pei means speech or mouth. And I'll talk about that for just a moment. Um, but the Aleph actually means first. It's in, in uh, the Greek, it's Alpha. Okay, in the Hebrew, it's Aleph. It means first, it means leadership, and it means strength. And right there, I think, is a prophecy for our president. Okay? It also has the connotation of apostolic authority because it says first apostles. And so I think that we're going to see an increase in apostolic authority, not just on apostles, but on the ecclesia. Okay, understand what I just said. Not just on apostles, but on the whole ecclesia. It is the, 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 the picture of the Aleph year or the Aleph letter is the ox, which is a symbol of incredible strength. And I know that during this last year, many people may have felt weak, but I want to tell you something. We're coming into one of our greatest days of advancing. We're coming into one of our greatest days of joy. We're getting ready to begin to see things that we've been praying for for decades suddenly begin to come to pass. Come on, we're going to stop just battling to survive, and we're going to start battling to possess. Come on, let me tell you something. There's a whole different mentality when you're battling to survive versus if you're battling to possess. Amen? Now, at the beginning, at the head of the year last year, on Rosh Hashanah last year, I sat up in bed in the morning and I heard the Lord say to me very loudly, this will be the decade of the dynamo. The decade of the dynamo. I got up, I wrote it down, I began to look it up and try to, determine what exactly a dynamo is. And it's very interesting when you look this word up, the first thing that it talks about is that the dynam a dynamo is uh, what, they, what they call somebody who is super energetic. Oh, they're a dynamo. They're a live wire. Okay? How many feel like you want more energy? How many feel like you've just been a little tired over this last season? Some of you are like, oh, I'm too tired to raise my hand. Yes, you, that's who I'm talking to, yes. And so I believe that God is going to supernaturally infuse us with energy and power during this season of time. Because here's what the wider use of dynamo is. The dynamo is a machine, I'm not going to get scientific on you, but it's a machine that produces direct current from which we get electricity. Okay, we live in Florida um, we were praying this week that I would be able to get here because of Hurricane Sally, which threatened me being able to get here. But you know what? Everybody got their generators out. You know what a dynamo is? It's a generator. The interesting thing about this is that dynamo comes from the Greek word dunamis, which is what we see in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, when, it's, when Jesus told his church, his ecclesia, to pray this way, to, to go back to Jerusalem and get the dunamis. Come on, you shall receive dunamis. You shall lambano dunamis is the Greek. You shall lambano dunamis. Uh, receive dunamis does not look like this. That is not what lambano dunamis looks like. The word lambano means you shall seize, you shall possess, you shall act, uh, you shall aggressively go after and pursue, you shall lay hold of something and make it your own. Come on, this is going to be a season that we're going to have to lambano dunamis. I want you to reach up and do that with me. Say lambano dunamis. 
So dynamo actually comes from the root word dunamis, which actually also is the word dynamic, which is actually also the word dynamite. And dunamis actually means force, might, strength, power. Come on, we're not seeing a weakened ecclesia at all. Come on. It means miracle working power. It means supernatural abilities. It means God's abilities seen in man. And God is getting ready to release to us supernatural power as we lumbano dunamis during this season of time. Now, we know that the decade of, 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 uh, of 5780 started a brand new decade, and it is the decade of the mouth. I hope you've all paid attention a little bit. 80 in Hebrew is the word mouth, okay? It's the word pay. And so here God is saying, I'm connecting strength and authority to what comes out of your mouth. Now, because that's connected to receiving the Holy Spirit, I want you to think about this. Is that every time we're praising the Lord, Rachel, it is a generator. Come on, it doesn't just make us feel good. It's a power generator. Come on, when we're praying, when we're prophesying, that is a power generator. Because guess what? The generator is in your mouth. The dynamo is in your mouth. Your miracle is in your mouth. The breakthrough is in your mouth. Do you want to understand why the, 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 the left-wing media is constantly pumping out negativity and doom and gloom over this nation? Number one, it's fueled by witchcraft. I'll get to that later. But number two, it's because there is power in the mouth. There's power in the decree, whether it's righteous decrees or unrighteous decrees. Can you see why now these kinds of meetings are so vital to the advancement of the nation, to the advancement of the ecclesia, because God is releasing his decrees down into the earth. He is generating victory through the mouth of his people. And that is why that if you are not using your mouth to communicate to somebody, or to worship, or anything else, you need to be praying in tongues. Pray in tongues when you shower. Pray in tongues when you're getting ready in the morning. Pray in tongues when you're driving in your car. Pray in tongues at all times. This is the season we need to be generating power. And it's not just personal power, it's ecclesia power that is actually going to move a nation forward. We need to actually really be laying hold of this and praying in the Spirit for our president. Psalms 81, we're in the 81st year. Psalms 81.10 says, open, in, the, in the, uh, the, the Passion Translation says, open your mouth with a mighty decree. I will fulfill it now. You'll see the words that you speak, so shall it be. Let me, get, let me say that again because some of y'all need that. Passion translation. Psalms 81. This is the 81st year. 5781. Open your mouth with a mighty decree. I, speaking of the Lord, I will fulfill it now. You'll see the words that you speak, so shall it be. Come on, how many want to go back now and repent of some things that you've said? Because whatever you're speaking is generating. Are we complaining? Are we worrying? Are we anxious? What's coming out of our mouth? I've determined I'm going to talk nicer about my thighs. <laughs> Come on. <gasps> we are generating. Okay, maybe I'm generating fat cells. I don't know, okay? I was, telling, uh, I was telling Apostle Tim and, and Carol today, I said, during COVID, I realized that I was a liar because all these years I've said, if I just stayed home off the road, I would eat a good, clean diet and exercise. And I realized I was a liar all those years, okay? So, <laughs> but listen, I believe that we're in the greatest hour, the greatest hour 
I, I want you to know, none of this took God by surprise. God did not cause what has happened this year. I think the enemy had big plans for a lot of evil. But I'm telling you that we're in a season that God's going to let the enemy, give the enemy enough rope to hang himself. Like Haman, come on, enough rope to hang himself. And everything that's devised against the plans and purposes of God, you are going to see in the media boomerang back on the head of the enemy. Amen? Now, I want to um, show you this, um, this scripture in Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6, which is, um, and I want to read it to you out of the Passion Translation. The King James says, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. And I believe that here we are right here on the, on, on, at the very beginning of Rosh Hashanah. And I believe that God wants to infuse the intercessors, the watchmen, the reformers of this state and of every other state, everybody else that's watching. God wants to infuse us with new power. Okay, because I know the battle's been long, but I believe that God wants to infuse us with new power. So I want to read this to you. It says, now my beloved ones, I've saved these most important truths for last. Now just lift up your hands. As a matter of fact, if you don't mind, stand up. And uh, I want to just declare this over you, what Paul spoke to the church at Ephesus. He said to them, be supernaturally infused with strength. Through your life union with the Lord Jesus, stand victorious with the force of his explosive power flowing in you and through you. Put on God's complete set of armor provided for us so that you will be protected as you fight against the evil strategies of the accuser. Your hand-to-hand -hand combat is not with human beings, but with the highest principalities and authorities operating in rebellion under heavenly realms. For they are a powerful class of demon gods and evil spirits that hold this dark world in bondage. Because of this, you must wear all the armor that God provides so that you're protected as you confront the slanderer. For you are destined for all things and will rise victorious. Come on, can we clap our hands to the Lord? Amen. Hallelujah. Now, as I've got you on your feet, we're going to start out by making a decree. Do we have that decree? Okay. We're going to make this decree together. And I want you to, to put one hand on your belly and one hand up to the Lord. If you're writing notes, you can figure out what other hand you're going to use. Okay. Uh, <laughs> but but we're, going to, we're going to decree this tonight. And then what we're going to do after this decree is that we're going to charge up. We're going to stir up that dynamo. We're going to just start right off the bat by praying in the Holy Ghost for just a minute and just charge that dynamo anointing tonight. All right. Are you ready to read this with me? I am a dynamo, a powerhouse for God's glory, generating light to light up my world. I am filled with superhuman energy and strength. My body is strong, my eyes are open, my mind is sharp, and my spirit is ready to step through every door of favor and influence God opens for me. The victory is in my mouth. My breakthrough is in my mouth. Miracles are in my mouth. I walk in supernaturally infused strength and apostolic anointing to initiate change. Explosive power flows in me and through me. I am the ecclesia, and the ecclesia is rising in victory to overthrow principalities, authorities, and demon gods. We will shift this nation into a new era of righteousness and justice. We are destined for this, 
and will rise victorious. Now begin to lift your hands and let's begin to cry out. Let's begin to pray in the spirit. Come on, let me hear you. Let heaven hear you. Come on, turn that dynamo. Turn that dynamo. Generate power. Now I want you to just release a shout into the atmosphere. Come on, release the sound of breakthrough. Release the sound of breakthrough. Release the sound of breakthrough. Listen, listen. The Lord, the Lord, uh, it says the breaker goes before us. And I believe even over this empty Supreme Court seat now, I believe we need to give right here within this first few hours of this opening coming, I think we need to release a shout of victory into the atmosphere. And I think every single one of us needs to lambano that seat for the kingdom of God. Come on, we need to seize it. We need to possess it. We need to lay hold of it. Come on, let's release a shout of victory right now. Lord, we shout victory. We shout victory over this seat. We declare righteousness and justice. In the Supreme Court, once again, God, we declare it now. We lambano that seat for the kingdom of God and for the forward advancement of this nation, God. Lord, you're closing out one season and launching us into a brand new season. We decree it now, Father. We decree victory now, Father. We decree breakthrough now. The breaker goes up before us now in Jesus' name. God, we pray right now, God, for wisdom for President Trump. Wisdom, Father God, as, as everybody is right now strategizing, God, how to move forward. We thank you, God, for supernatural wisdom and revelation on how to move forward in the filling of that seat, Father. Lord, we thank you, God, that you're already breaking the way open and causing victory to come. Lord, we decree it. We believe it. Now it's time. Shout out. It's time. Come on. It's time. It's time. It's time. It's time. It's time. Hallelujah. Well, you can be seated. Um, I, had a, I had a vision. I had an encounter with the Lord at the uh, first week of this year before all the craziness happened. Um, and in this vision, I saw um, I was standing in a line. I was standing shoulder to shoulder, and as far as I could see, were believers standing in a line with me. And Jesus walked up. And when Jesus walked up, I put out my hand like this, and he put in my hand a white stone. And he kind of folded my hand over it like this. He looked me in the eye, and he nodded. He didn't say anything. He just nodded, kind of like, we got this. And then he moved to the next person, and then he moved to the next person on down the line. And then I saw Jesus standing in front of our president, Donald John Trump. And I saw him put a white stone in the president's hand. I saw him put a white stone into the hand of every one of his family members, which, by the way, behind the scenes, his family members are getting born again. They're getting filled with the Holy Spirit. I'm telling you, there's, there's, there's a move happening right there, okay? But I saw his family members receiving white stones. And then I saw, very interesting, I saw an advisory team. 
to the president. I didn't know who any of them were, but I saw an advisory team, and I saw Jesus put a white stone in their hand, and that was the vision. And so, of course, I recognize that Revelation chapter 2, verse 17 is one of the seven churches out of the book of Revelation, and that the, the angel or G, the message from Jesus to each of these churches, uh, this was one of the messages. And this was the church at Pergamum. Pergamum was a city that was overrun in every kind of idolatry. They had the Temple of Zeus. They had four or five major um, demon god temples in that city. And they actually had something there called the Seat of Satan, which can't be good. <laughs> okay? But, and yet, there was an ecclesia that was rising up in this horribly evil city. Come on. And to that church, Jesus gave them some challenges. He talked to them about what they were dealing with in spiritual warfare externally. And then he challenged them what they were dealing with internally. He said that some people had crept in and brought the doctrine of Balaam. The doctrine of Nicolaitans, I don't have time to teach those, but they were, they, were, they were getting people off into error. And so, and yet Jesus said this to that church. He said, he who has ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the church. I want everybody just to touch your ears right now and just say, Lord, give me ears to hear. Because, see, I believe that God wants to bring us into one of the greatest revelatory seasons that we've ever experienced before in our lives. And I believe, how many of you feel like there's been an increase of revelation that's come to you during this lockdown season? I'm telling you, it's, it's, it's some days it just comes very, very quickly, okay? But he said, he who has ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the church. To him who overcomes, to him who overcomes, I will give him to eat of the hidden manna. Remember manna was what came from heaven? That is supernatural provision. Okay? That was the supernatural provision in the midst of the wilderness. And I'll talk about that probably a little towards the end. But it also is a picture of revelation. The bread of revelation that is coming from heaven that's sustaining us as we move forward. To him who overcomes, I will give you to eat of the hidden manna. And I will give him a white stone with his name written on it that only he knows. So we have to understand what the significance of the white stone was in the Greek culture to fully understand this vision that I had and what Jesus was saying in Revelations 2. So in the Greek culture, the, the white stone was used several different ways. Number one, if you were going to go to court and plead your case before a jury, the jury members were each given two stones, a white stone for innocence and acquittal, a black stone for guilt. Let me just say, the accuser has been very busy this year. And I want you to understand that Jesus has put a white stone in your hand. So whatever the accuser comes and accuses you of, you hold that white stone up and say, Jesus has given me a white stone. Come on, he's declared that I'm acquitted. He has declared me innocent. He has declared my sins washed away. He has declared my past in the past and that he has given me a brand new start. Come on, how many are grateful that Jesus has given you a white stone? Amen. Think about it. When the Lord gave me this, vision, and I saw our president, he was in the, I don't even know if he'd been impeached yet, I don't think so. First week of January, I'm not sure if he had or not. But how many know Jesus gave him a white stone? Amen. The second way they would use a white stone was during an election. Isn't that interesting? That when they would, Greece was a democracy, so when they would have an issue or a candidate that they wanted people to cast a vote for. The white stone was a vote in favor. A, the black stone was a vote against. Okay, so let me just say, Jesus is putting a white stone and saying, I've cast this stone in your favor. This is going to be an incredible season for the ecclesia to move into supernatural favor 
that we've ever seen before. Amen? But the third way that I think the white stone was used, and probably what they were referring to in Revelation chapter 2, is that when an athlete, and of course you know that the Olympics came out of ancient Greece, when an athlete would compete, the one that was the champion or the one that was the victor, the one that was the Nikeo, which it means overcomer, which is where Nike gets its name from, just do it, okay? But it literally means champion, victor, overcomer. The one that, wo that won the event was not given a medal to hang around their neck, nor were they given a trophy to sit on their shelf. No, instead, they were given a victor's crown, which the Lord says, let no man take your crown. Don't let anybody steal your victory. Come on, if you're having a day that you feel like your victory is getting stolen, open your mouth. Open your mouth, start speaking the word, start decreeing what God has said, start decreeing what God has promised, and start getting back into alignment with heaven. Amen? So it, so it says, so it says, to him who overcomes, I'll give you this white stone. So when they won this event, they were instead given a white stone with their name written on it. Now, now why in the world would that be anything special? Well, I want you to understand the significance of this white stone was that that stone was not just a trophy, but it became more or less a ticket or a pass for that individual. And what did it give them access to but the upper echelons, the elite of that society? So in other words, they were very much a class system. And the elite was given, you know, they, they went to banquets, they went to political and entertainment events, they had all kinds of things that were for the elite only, but if you possessed this white stone, you were then given access to everything the elite were given access to. And so in other words, before you won, you were a citizen, afterwards you were a super citizen. Now why is this important? Well, I hope you get it. God's giving us access in this season of time to things that were not accessible to us before, not just in spiritual things, but God's giving us access in things on the, on the earth to begin to cause a shift in the earth because we're no longer blocked out, but we've been given free access. And Jesus is putting this white stone in our hand. Now, when I had this vision the first week of January, <laughs> I thought Jesus was commending us. Well done. Look at this. You've overcome. You know, here's your white stone. Gain access. Gain favor. Understand what I'm, what I'm opening up to you this year. That's how I preached it. How many know when March came, I had a different perspective? I realized he wasn't commending us. I realized he was prophesying to us. And I realized he was saying, you're going to face some things this year. You're going to face some trials. You're going to face some difficulties this year. But I want you to be of good cheer because I've already overcome the world. And I'm the possessor of the white stone and I'm putting it in your hand. And I'm telling you that if you keep your eyes on me during this season of time, I will cause every crisis to be turned around to a mighty comeback. And it's going to be one of the church's greatest days, greatest hours, and the advancement of the kingdom in America that you've ever seen before. Amen. So I want you all just to reach up and grab a white stone, okay? Father, we re receive our white stone from your hand. We decree right now, Father God, Lord, that you have declared our innocence, but Lord, you've also voted yes for us. God, you have given, are now giving us access in both things spiritual and natural to places we've never been before. God, we're going to another level. We're breaking through to a new era. We're breaking through, Father God, to a whole new season, and Father, we receive receive the mantle of the overcomer. We receive the strength of the overcomer and we receive and declare victory tonight in Jesus name. I want you to just grab that white stone and shout victory right now. Victory. We declare it now, Lord, in Jesus name. Now, I, I believe that that victory is not just personal. It's for the ecclesia. This is the church's greatest hour. It's a crazy hour. But what the enemy meant for evil is being turned for good. What the enemy used like Haman to try to destroy the Jews, 
Come on, God brought a divine reversal, turned it back on their head. Let me just say this about crisis. God has never let a good crisis go to waste. Read all the way through the scriptures. Every time you find Israel in crisis, it ends with God's victory. It ends with the promotion of the righteous. And it ends with a brand new era. Come on. I believe that we're stepping into that. God is not the author of this crisis, but God is going to use what the enemy thought he would use to destroy us. He's actually going to use to advance us, to increase us, to expand us, and to bless us in ways that we've never seen before. Amen? The word crisis in, in Chinese is very interesting because it's formed by writing two different characters. It's kind of like Hebrew that's got a word picture. And it's the, 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 the convergence of two words. And the first word means danger. And the second word means opportunity. That's, that's, those two things coming together form the word crisis. Danger and opportunity. Somebody that actually speaks Chinese actually told me a more accurate translation would mean danger at a critical juncture. How many understand we're at a critical juncture right now? And I think it's very interesting that, um, that Apostle Tim was just telling me that Chuck Pierce was here and prophesied about Ohio being the fulcrum state. And I know he, he reminded me that I prophesied that three years ago, I think, when I was here. And when the Lord said, Ohio's a fulcrum state, I had no idea what that meant. I had to go look it up. I had to go Google it. That's what we prophets do, okay? <laughs> I went and I, I Googled it. And I just, I want to just share with you, let me just, because I pulled this up in my notes, I want to share with you, because I think that this is a pivotal point. That's what a fulcrum is. It's a pivotal point. It's a pivot point, okay? It's, it's what helps you. How many of you have ever moved a refrigerator? When you move a refrigerator, you don't just strap that thing on your back and carry it out, right? No, no, no. You use a pivot point, right? You tip it up on its side, and that pivot point bears all the pressure of that entire refrigerator on one little point. And then what do you do? You swing it. And then you tip it to the next side, put all the pressure on that, and then you swing it. Come on, God has declared now, Chuck had no idea that I prophesied that. I had no idea what it meant when I prophesied it. But I'm telling you that Ohio is a fulcrum state. It's a pivot point that is going to determine the swing and the forward advancement of both the ecclesia and the nation. Amen. Let me just read you what I, what I wrote three years ago. I said... Um, that because of the developed Reformation network in the state, God will use the fulcrum prayers to lift and pivot point decrees to swing, not just this state, but the nation forward into a brand new position. We're in this day right now, guys. Right now. It says other fulcrum states are arising, and I named a few. And then I said, so we decree that, that Ohio will be a pivot point state that shifts this nation forward into awakening and reformation. We decree that as a fulcrum state, the worship, prayer, and prophetic acts done by the Reformation Army will act as leverage, because the other picture of the fulcrum is that point that's right here that you that uses it to leverage, will act as leverage to lift this state out of an antichrist agenda, out of chaos, and into a season of righteousness and justice. God's throne is going to be established, and you will throw overthrow every throne of iniquity in this land. And then I wrote this. I wrote, do not rest on the political breakthroughs of the past. But understand that new battles are underway that threaten to push back the gains that you have achieved in previous seasons. This election is as important for the Reformation purposes of heaven as it is for the state and as it is for our nation. 
And then I wrote, at the same time, do not accept the legislative defeats of past seasons, for there is an anointing of reformation upon this state to turn the battle at the gate. So just like in the days of Esther, the enemy's plans came to nothing. They got hung on their own gallows. Those that have been working against the advancement of this state are going to experience that. I don't mean they're literally going to be hung, but I mean God's going God's to destroy their plans. Okay? God's going to bring their plans to nothing. And I believe that God's going to once again use Ohio to swing this nation forward in this next election. I believe it's a fulcrum state. There's a weight of responsibility that, that rests upon the state, which is why these events are so important. All the events that you've had for the last several years have been working towards this point. See, you're not coming up against this very pivotal point saying, oh my goodness, we need to work super hard because uh, we've got to play catch up. You've been doing the work all along. You've been building this fulcrum anointing to push the state forward. But it's just got to have steady, constant pressure now to bring the shift all the way forward. It's a tipping point moment, okay? And so I want to just maybe clarify a few things. I felt like the Lord said in March when we locked down, I felt like the Lord said, I'm going to take this nation out of crisis into a mighty comeback. But you're going to have to go through a season of contending to get there. Okay? And so... Um, so I, I've just been watching and, and just seeing the things that we need to contend with. Number one, I think a lot of what's happening right now is fueled not just politically, but a lot of what's happening right now is fueled by a spirit of witchcraft, by organized witchcraft at the highest levels in the land, okay? COVID-19, obviously, I'm not saying everybody that gets sick is being attacked by witchcraft, but I am saying that there is a driving force that is trying to keep this thing alive. When I turn around and I switch through some news channels and I hear them constantly saying, it's going to get really bad this fall. There's going to be a surge this fall. Well, did you hear the, the decree of the apostle that the ecclesia is going to surge? Come on, did the, is the ecclesia going to surge? Not coronavirus, but see, I want you to understand this is the decade of the mouth. It's very strategic. What they're doing is they're getting it out there into the airwaves. They're getting it out there into everybody's ears right now. They've got people repeating this over and over again. The power's in your mouth. Come on. They're, they're, the mouth is the generator, and they're trying to generate through witchcraft. They're trying to generate evil. They're trying to generate the uh, a resurgence of COVID, which I don't believe is God's will. I believe we can stand against it, and I believe we can break that assignment in the name of Jesus. Amen? I believe God wants to turn lockdown into liberty. Amen? Amen? And, and, uh, but, I, but I believe that that's really being fueled. And let me just say this, is that um, we actually had one of our ministers that got COVID. She ended up on a ventilator for 11 days. The doctors pretty much gave her up for dead. Um, they didn't think that she had any hope of surviving. She had several other um, factors that made her vulnerable to this, and um, they didn't give her any hope at all. But I want you to know on the 11th day, on the ninth day, it looked like she was going to die. And the Lord told us, start prophesying breath into her lungs, just like Ezekiel 37 began to prophesy breath into the army of the Lord. You want to know where we are? God has prophesied breath into the ecclesia. The bones have come together, but now we've got to see the, see the army stand up as an exceeding great army in this season of time. So we started prophesying breath, and I want you to know within the hour of us prophesying breath, her, her oxygen levels went from the 60s to the 90s, and two, day, two days later, she came completely off the ventilator, and she's preaching, praying, and prophesying again. Come on, guys. This is a fight, but it's one that we win. Let me say it again. This is a fight, but it's one that we win. So we got to contend there. We've got to contend, secondly, about corruption. And about maybe two weeks ago, um, during a time of prayer, I heard the Lord say, this, this season is going to be known as the great unveiling. And I think that there's several things God's going to unveil. Number one, I think he's going to unveil his glory. Are you excited to see what's happening in these cities with this revival? Come on, Chicago last night was 
full of the Holy Ghost is awesome what's happening in these cities. There's going to be that revival, that awakening, that fire that God begins to bring. And so there's a revealing of God's glory now, God's miracle power now. Guess what? In our services, socially distanced though they may be, and we're not even laying hands on people right now just to be safe and respectful, but I tell you what, we're having more people get healed, more miracles happening because the glory of God is just coming, and there's a glory atmosphere that people are getting set free in. A lady came in with a boot on her foot. She'd broken her foot in several places. She had her, a boot on that the swelling had to go down before they could cast it. I want you to know she ripped that boot off during worship, started dancing around, started running around the church. She'd been in the hospital the week before. God completely healed the bones of her foot. Seriously. A week later, I gave a prophetic word about, about God uh, healing somebody's digestion and I just released that word. People told them to grab a hold of the word. A lady came up to me afterwards and she said, listen, I haven't been able to eat for almost two years, more than three or four bites at a time. And then a lot of times that I throw that up. My, my digestion is just completely, I've got all these, and she named all these different things. And I said, well, do you believe it's the word of the Lord? And she said, yes. I said, let me hear you say that. Got to say it. She said, I believe it's the word of the Lord. I prayed for her. And you know what she did? She went out and had tacos to test her healing. She'd been eating oatmeal, and she went and ate tacos, and she's been completely healed ever since that day. Amen? Come on, guys. God is on the move. God is not in lockdown. God is not socially distanced from us. Amen? So I believe we're going to see his glory. I also believe in this season of great unveiling, scales are getting ready to fall off of people's eyes. I think the prodigals are going to come home. I think unbelievers that maybe you've been witnessing to for a long time, it's like scales are falling from people's eyes. And I think that this even affects the political place that a lot of people have been in because it's all of a sudden people are just going like, I just can't believe that I supported that. Come on, can we believe and pray into tonight that scales come off of eyes, Amen. But the third thing I think that the Lord was really speaking about is that there's a great unveiling of tremendous corruption and wickedness. I mean, evil, evil, evil that's been going on, and God's getting ready to expose it. Amen. But here's what I saw as I prayed about that. I saw that the spirit of witchcraft has really held the cover in place, and it's delaying delaying and trying to bury it again. And I thought of the time um, that most of you would be familiar with this story. It's a long time ago, 2003, when um, we had entered into the Iraq war and we'd been in the war for about nine months and we still hadn't found Saddam Hussein. Y'all remember way back? Okay. And Chuck and Dutch were actually doing the 50 state tour and they were down in the San Antonio area. And Chuck is preaching away, and all of a sudden he starts to prophesy. And as he prophesies, he says, and the strong man of Babylon, speaking of Saddam Hussein, the strong man of Babylon who has been hidden will be hidden no longer because I will bring him to exposure in the next seven days. And I think Dutch was on the platform with him, and I think they kind of told me one day that Chuck turned around to Dutch and went. Because they've been looking for him for nine months, and Chuck basically mouthed the words, what did I just say? And so Dutch, get, Dutch gets up after Chuck, and he begins to pray, and he begins to make decrees, apostolic decrees. And he says, Lord, we decree that the spirit of witchcraft that has kept this man hidden is being broken off tonight, and we decree he will be found. I feel like we're at that same place right now is that there's been a lot of stuff that's been hidden, but it's been being held in place by a spirit of organized witchcraft. Let me just say this, is that um, BLM, I agree with the statement Black Lives Matter, but the organization BLM is rooted and grounded not just in Marxism, but in witchcraft. And if you don't believe me, Google it. They do incantations. They're doing, they're pouring out libations. They're calling on dead ancestors. They're doing all kinds of oogie-boogie pagan practices that are launching and empowering this movement. Come on, guys. I mean, if you think this is just 
some, some protesters that are turning into rioters. No, there's a spirit of witchcraft that's driving that whole thing. And it's holding a covering in place to try to delay the uncovering of the wickedness. But we, we're going to decree tonight that, that that lid is coming off. Amen? Just like happened back in 2003, three days later. Now, let me just say this, is that, that Dutch made the decree. Then a general got up and made some decrees um, uh, from Fort Hood. And he said, listen, we've got the, I think it was the 101st Infantry or something over there from Fort Hood right here in San Antonio. We're going to decree that God will anoint them to carry out this decree. Can we do that kind of stuff? Well, they did, Okay. And I want you to know, three days later, it was a soldier from Fort Hood that found Saddam Hussein hiding in that spider hole. Come on. What a coincidence. So there's corruption, all right, that we're going to see uncovered. But the third thing I really feel, and I feel like this is the heart of the battle right now, is chaos. There's a spirit of chaos. It's got a lot of different names, but I think chaos, and, and, and I, I, I feel this because I was, um, again, in a time of prayer and just praying, and I, I heard the Lord just say over and over, the God of peace is rising. The God of peace is rising. The God of peace is rising. Of course, you turn on the TV and cities are burning and there's mayhem everywhere and all this, this crazy stuff happening, and I heard the Lord say, the God of peace is rising. The God of peace is rising. And so as I began to dig into what the Lord was saying, of course that comes from Romans 16:20, where it declares the God of and the God of peace will soon crush Satan underneath your feet. Another translation literally says it's going to crush him into the dust. Come on, all these plans, the hexes, the vexes, the spells, the incantations, come on. They don't stand a chance. They don't stand a chance. At the force of the ecclesia, the decrees that the church is making, and the angel armies that are being put on assignment to war for the destiny of America. The God of peace is rising. And if God is fighting for you, let me tell you who can be against you. The God of peace. Of course, in the Old Testament, Isaiah 9, 6, talks about Jesus being the Prince of Peace. His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor. Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. I want to just shake up our understanding of this phrase, Prince of Peace, as I've studied this. Because the word prince in Hebrew doesn't mean somebody, somebody that wears a crown that walks around with an amazing robe looking princely. That is not what this means. The word for prince is the word sar, S-A-R. And listen to what it means. One who contends who fights, who wrestles, who governs, and who rules. Fights, contends, wrestles, governs, rules. He's our prince. And then, of course, the word peace is the word shalom. We're all familiar with the word shalom. It means peace, blessing, tranquility, favor, prosperity, abundance, it means to have favor with God, to have favor with man, which I believe is actually part of the symbol for this year. Um, it means somebody preached a message. I have no idea who it was, but they said it kind of means nothing missing, nothing damaged, nothing broken. How many have heard that? But very interesting. If you, I was reading a Hebrew scholar on the word shalom, and they talked about the picture word that is associated with each letter when you Hebraically spell the word shalom. And they said, if you read the picture word and put that together, this is what shalom actually means. It means peace comes when you destroy the authority of chaos by infusing the presence of the Lord. I think right there is our assignment. We've got to destroy the, the authority of chaos in every single one of our cities. And infuse the presence of the Lord. Between now and the election, that's our job. And moving forward, we have to understand is that God has anointed us to root up, to tear down, to throw down, and to destroy. How many know that looks a little bit like chaos? But the whole purpose of that is to build and plant. 
And I want to I relate this to a dream that I had just to kind of show you on God's timetable where we are. Um, the year that I wasn't able to come to you because I was in Korea and had got, come back sick, I'd actually had a very vivid dream while I was there. And in the dream, um, I saw a, the seven-headed dragon of the book of Revelation, okay? Um, and the church, the, 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 the church in Korea was battling. They're a praying church. They're a warring church. They're a fighting church. They were battling. And I watched as the people mobilized and began to battle and fight in this dream. They, they took a sword and they cut the head, one of the heads off of the dragon. And they moved on to fighting the next head of the dragon. And while they were fighting the next head, the first head grew back. How many know this is, seems like a pretty hopeless battle? Of course, over in Korea, China, all of this, this is dragon culture over there, okay? Everything is about the dragon. And um, so in this dream, I saw something happen in the earth that caused the entire global church to focus on taking out the dragon. And as the entire global church focused, I saw a golden sword come out of heaven and just, just take all the heads off the dragon. And then I saw the hand of the Lord take a lance and he drove it straight through the heart of the dragon. And when that lance went into the heart of the dragon, what spilled out was a billion soul harvest. So I was sharing this on a prayer call since COVID. We live our lives on Zoom these days. Um, and I was sharing this on a prayer call, and Becca Greenwood said, she said, you know, it's very interesting, she said, because she's been working with the church in China for a, a lot of years, and, and years ago, they did a complete mapping of China, spiritual mapping of China. And years ago, and they wrote this, they determined that the heart of the dragon was located in a little-known city to the Western world called Wuhan. This is why we need these meetings, because I didn't have that peace. I didn't have that understanding. Can you see God's plan is to take the head off of these things and to cause that billion-soul harvest to come? I'm telling you, this is the church's greatest hour. It's America's greatest hour. Amen? What's interesting is that if you read in Isaiah chapter 51, it talks about Rahab, and it says, wake up, wake up, arm of the Lord, show your strength. Didn't you make mincemeat out of Rahab and called him, called Rahab the chaos dragon? The chaos dragon. Well, I'm telling you something. God is rising and executing his arm of strength. In this year of strength, the strength of the arm of the Lord is coming into his church, and we're executing God's vengeance against this, and we're bringing victory. Amen? This is a time of victory. And, and so let me just wrap this up by saying this, is that all that God is de declaring, God said to me in March that this is going to be one of the greatest comebacks that our nation has ever seen, one of the greatest comebacks the world has ever seen, one of the greatest comebacks the church has ever seen. Several years ago, the Lord talked to me about comeback, and he said, he said it to me this way. He said, tell the church their setback is only a setup for a mighty comeback. Your setback's only a setup for a mighty comeback. As we engage with him, God is setting us up for comeback. He is setting us up for, for some of the best days of seeing the things we've been praying actually come to pass. It's a time of suddenlies. It's a time of suddenlies for people personally, for the church, for the nation, and I believe for the nations of the earth. Let me tell you something. In our church, it's been crazy. It's been crazy. We've had, in the last two months, we're a church of maybe 300. In the last two months, we've had 18 families buy new homes in the middle of a shutdown. We've had businesses break records. We've, we've planted new churches. We've had churches buy new buildings. We've had all this stuff. We're advancing. We're not retreating. We're not stalemating. 
I want to tell you guys, I want you to stand to your feet. I believe that God has positioned us for one of the greatest comebacks that we've ever seen before. And I believe that there's a culmination of the prayers that are coming as we deal with the, the, the corruption, as we deal with the witchcraft, as we deal with the chaos. I believe that God is going to show his arm strong and mighty for us now in this season as never before. Amen. Could you just lift up your hands and let me, let me pray for you. Father, I pray right now, God, that you would give us the spirit of wisdom and revelation. God, that you would put that white stone in our hand, that you would show us the things that we need to see. God, that we would, that we would understand the, the things that we're fighting and the things that aren't our battle. But God, our focus right now is on seeing America saved. God, we decree that America shall be saved. We decree right now, Father God, America will see her greatness. We will be the, the shining light on the, on the hill, Father God, that is declaring the gospel to the nations of the earth. God, we will be a sending nation that sends the gospel to the ends of the earth, Father God. We decree the mightiest move of awakening, the mightiest move of reformation, the mightiest move of a governmental shift that brings righteousness and justice back to our land. We decree, Father God, that our best days are not behind us. Our best days are ahead of us, Father God. And we decree that we're stepping out of crisis into a season of comeback in the mighty name of Jesus. I want everybody here to give the Lord a big shout of praise. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.